season. <laughs> what season is it? <laughs> the spoopy one. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable with the energy we've created in the studio today. <laughs> I'm not. I'm living for it. <laughs> Welcome back to the Bug and a Rug podcast. As always, my name's Caitlin. As usual, I'm Whitney. And today is October. All hail the October gods. All um. hail. Oh, amen. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Do you guys have your Halloween decorations up? I have my Halloween costume in and done. No, because I need to get stuff to uh, color my hair. But other than that... I actually have my Halloween costume done, and it's not three days before Halloween. Not that we're going to go anywhere, but... We're going to dress up here. Yeah. Watch scary movies. And every time you get so scared you pee your pants, you have to take a shot. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I thought that was a finish your drink. (laughs) Pee your pants, finish your drink. You're right, you're right, you're right. Squeal a little. Two shots for you. (laughs) Squeal a little? (laughs) (laughs) Listen, I'm just letting the spirit move me. (laughs) Oh, I see what you did there. I think that Halloween is a fabulous time where we all get to express our creativity and dress up like other people. Yes. Now, identity thieves do this quite often, <laughs> but now it's our turn. I don't know what this accent and is. And spies. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Ruined my whole bit. Huh? I'm <laughs> sorry. Had to one-up me, did you? At the zoo. You can CIA your way out. At what? the zoo. I, <laughs> wait, <laughs> CIA. Way out, wait, I get it. I get it. It was kind of good. No, it wasn't. Um, at the zoo, there are, there is, people came and decorated, right? I don't know who did this section of the zoo. But there's a lot of skeletons in, like, Where's Waldo? That's humorous. (laughs) (laughs) I can't handle it. Where's Waldo? Yeah, they're just skeletons in Where's Waldo costumes, and it just says, Where's Waldo? And you can't tell because they're all skeletons. Wait. What? They're all dressed up like Where's Waldo? Yeah. But there's a sign that says Where's Waldo? Yeah. And you can't tell which one was Waldo because they're all deceased? Yeah. Are they organic, homegrown local (laughs) skeletons? I don't know. I didn't get close enough to look, honestly. (laughs) Oh. Oh. I don't know if it's been on this podcast, but... Uh, where I used to live in Lewisburg, there was a dentist's office that you had to pass by to get to Kroger. And in front of the dentist's office, they had a skeleton every year. They'd sit out at Halloween with a little sign that said, I wish I would have flossed more. <laughs> do you think that they, they died from flossing? Or do you think that they... From not flossing? <laughs> or do you think that that's flossing. just one of their biggest regrets? I think that they died from the gingivitis. Mm, scary stuff. Speaking of scary, your story today. Is this story going to keep me up at night, or am I still going to be able to sleep as snug as a bug and a rug? Only time will tell. <laughs> <laughs> so, this week, we're going to travel to sweet home Alabama. Alabama. <laughs> Where the skies are blue. Great movie. Yes. I'm a sucker. Good song, it. also. Yeah. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> Probably the song. You don't know that. Anyway, <laughs> um, we are going to Birmingham, Alabama this week for our story. This is about 651 miles away from where we are currently, which is about a 9.5 hour drive. We're not physically going there. We could. We could, but we're not. Hey, it would be both good and bad timing. <laughs> I'll explain that. Oh, a okay. Later. So, following the Civil War, uh, Jones Valley in Alabama became a hot spot for industrial companies due to its close proximity to a many mineral resources that were used to make iron and steel. 
after the Civil War, the South didn't have much to do. They were kind of had been, you know, devastated by losing the war. So when the Industrial Revolution came through, you know, they were like, oh, we can do factories. We have all these resources. And okay. they just sprung up everywhere. Okay. Within a 30-mile radius of Jones Valley, there were abundant deposits of coal, white limestone, dolomite, and clay, as well as seams of iron ore stretching 25 miles through the nearby Red Mountain. It's called Red Mountain. It might have also been Red. (laughs) Nobody will know! (laughs) Could have also been Red's Mountain. There hasn't been a mountain here in 60 years! What if a colorblind person named it? (laughs) It's red to me. Oh yeah, because they get red and green. Confused? Some people are red, green, colorblind, yes. Maybe it was a green mountain. Well, if it had trees on it. I have no idea. <laughs> I didn't, I, hey, I don't know. <laughs> it could have been fall. It was fall. True. Well, it could have been, at, at some point during each year it was fall. <laughs> the trees could have looked red also. Anyway, in 1871, several entrepreneurs, well, that's what we're going to call them. They were greedy businessmen, uh, or smart businessmen, it just depends on who you are, founded the city of Birmingham, Alabama, in order to exploit these resources for financial gain. Okay. One of these men was Colonel James Withers Sloss. Okay. I like his name. Uh, Colonel James Withers Sloss? Yeah. Oh, for ready? a second, I thought I had just imagined the word colonel in front of his name. Do you have a fever dream? I had a fever dream about uh, the KFC guy. Apparently, I'm having all sorts of those today. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, Mr. Sloss was a merchant and a railroad man by trade. He actually convinced the L and N Railroad Company to complete their South and North Rail Line, joining them together through Jones Valley at the newly founded site of Birmingham. So basically, he made Birmingham happen. I wonder how he did that. I wonder how he, how did he convince somebody to just build a railroad through what presumably wasn't a huge town at the time? No, he basically said... It would be a great idea to put this railroad through here because of all these resources and we'll make a lot of money. Right, because we can ship stuff on the railroad tracks. Exactly. Yeah, okay, exactly. got it. So, he then gained the assistance from Pratt Coke and Coal Company to open Sloss Furnace Company once the railroad was completed. Okay. Sloss began construction on a 50-acre site in 1881 with the intention of opening City Furnaces, which was a location under the company Sloss Furnace Company. It was a new furnace plant. Okay. Called City Furnaces. City Furnaces, yes. Okay. Most people just called it Sloss. Yeah, why Sloss did he call furnaces. why did he call it City Furnaces? Listen, I don't know. Okay. That seems odd to me, but okay. Yeah, I actually only saw the name City Furnaces in one resource, so yeah. it could be that some people called it that like the yeah. City Furnaces and right, some right, people right. just called it Sloss. Sure. sure Not sure. 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 So the man in charge of construction was Harry Hargraves, a European engineer who was a pupil of Thomas Whitwell. He was the inventor who designed stoves that would supply the hot air blast for furnaces and stood 60 feet high and 18 foot in diameter. Sloss's stoves would become the first of their kind in Birmingham. This is a lot of words that meant he basically got this European inventor to make furnaces that had not been seen anywhere in the South before. To sell to operate and pour out steel for sloths to make steel hold on time out okay he's not making furnaces no oof okay hargraves oof, made oof. furnaces <laughs> for sloths well i thought slo- to make i thought steel um, excuse me i thought the uh building that uh. he was creating called City Furnaces, a.k.a. Sloth's Furnaces, was just a place where people could go buy varying types of furnaces. What you are saying is that he created... <laughs> wow. Boy, howdy. This is a mess, huh? He built this building, mm-hmm. right, and then teamed up with Hargrave. Mm-hmm. The inventor, the European inventor... To create giant furnaces mm-hmm. that he could pour steel out after mm-hmm. harvesting it, harvesting the materials for it from these rich, rich, mineral-filled hills. Yeah. Specifically Red Mountain. 
in the surrounding area yes. of Jones Valley. Valley. Now Birmingham. Got it. I just had to tweak what I was thinking there. <laughs> I mean, you missed the word colonel earlier, which is spelled colonel. Col- yeah, let's talk about that. <laughs> That's going to keep me up at night. Hey, side note, whoever invented the English language, boggers, all right? Anywho. All right, you're with me. Yes. Okay. So. I honestly, I would not have been, except you said eight foot wide, 60 foot tall furnaces. And I was like, for people's homes? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who's buying these? <laughs> Sorry. It's fine. <laughs> hey, it makes a lot hey. of sense now that I've figured it out. Hey, I'm not mad. Just disappointed. Right, <laughs> right, right. So, the locals were actually excited to see that Southern-made manufacturing equipment was being put to work on the project. So, although Mr. Hargraves was from a European inventor, all the equipment they were using was made in the United States. Sure, it was just his idea. Or his blueprints. Yeah. Yeah, right. It was his design. He was just in charge of construction, basically. The design was of his mentor, Mr. Whitwell. Oh, okay. Missed that part, huh? No, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. it. Okay, so the same year that they started construction, Sloss was promoted as a candidate for governor by the Birmingham Press, new newspaper, because Birmingham is brand new. Yeah. And they said, quote, he's an excellent business qualifications, brilliant intellect, splendid character, and fine executive ability, all combined to make him the grandest man in Alabama today for our chief executive. He's the very personification of Christian manhood and integrity, possessing the qualifications of head and heart, which we should emulate. The newspaper from Birmingham, which has just become which established, he essentially. To establish. Right. Yeah. So, of course, they're going to say that he should be governor. Okay. Once construction was finished, the furnaces, quote, went into blast in 1882 and produced 24,000 tons of iron. The company won a bronze medal in 1883 for, quote, the best pig iron, quote, end quote, at the Louisville Exposition. Now, do I know what two, pig, <laughs> pig iron questions. is? Go ahead. What are they? <laughs> One, um, why did they have to say that on that date the furnaces went to blast? Went into blast? <laughs> I think it means they turned on and started blasting. Why, why, they, why couldn't they say, yeah, they turned on? <laughs> And started hey, making not <laughs> nearly as flashy, right? You're right, you're right, you're right. <laughs> what sounds more intimidating? We turned them on, or they went into blast. <laughs> Why does it need to sound intimidating? I don't get it. It's just making steel. I guess at the time it was a big deal, though, huh? Yes. Okay. <laughs> you, you heard the woman. <laughs> Anyway, uh, what is second question? What is iron. pig iron? <laughs> pig iron is an intermediate product of the iron industry in the production of steel. It is also called crude iron and is obtained by smelting iron ore in a blast furnace. So you take iron ore, which is the raw product they're finding in the hills, yeah, melt it down, and it becomes this byproduct. And it becomes Listen. fake iron. <laughs> Which is also called, and then a pig comes and kisses it, and then it's called. Turns into a prince. Oh, by golly, we've got it. We've cracked the code. And then they put that prince to work making furnaces for people's homes. Here we are. Put that thing back where you found it, so help me. I'm so mad. Okay, so, okay, cool. So he's become, you know, a real superstar. In Jones Valley. Yeah, in the city he made. Mm-hmm. The furnaces continued to transform coal and ore from 1882 to 1971 and paved the way for the Industrial Revolution in the United States. Their steel was used in New York City skyscrapers, Detroit automobiles, and bridges across the nation. Birmingham became a metropolis city overnight due to its new booming business and earned the nickname the Magic City. It's called the Magic City because it basically appeared overnight and then became a huge city. Right, 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 right. I have a quick question. Where are the... There's a basketball team, right? The Magics? Yeah. I don't think they're in Birmingham. (laughs) Is it Detroit? Let me look it up. Oh, Jesus. Orlando. (laughs) (laughs) I don't feel like about 
Abilema? I don't feel like Abilema. <laughs> Why is it Detroit? <laughs> I don't think Abilema has a basketball team professionally. Yeah, I guess not, right? Any other questions before we move forward? No, sorry, that was a little no, that's fine. ADHD moment. I, listen, I'm here to answer any and most questions that you have. I can't say all, because I don't know. <laughs> Anywho, despite the booming economic growth and power these companies held within Birmingham, they treated their workers pretty bad. Why am I not surprised? He's making all this money and it's probably like, well, I would say slave labor, but hopefully that's over. But at the same time, I'm sure it's not at this point. So it was post-Civil War. Right. So the slaves had been freed. Yeah. Predominantly since its beginning, Sloss Furnaces employed African-American workers. Right. Some resources say that the African-American population there could stand side by side with a Caucasian individual and feel like they were equal. Sure. In their work. And other other resources say there was still a hierarchy within it where no matter what, you could be doing the same job, but the black individual would have a lesser title and would be treated more poorly. Well, I'm sure it was more on... The latter. I'm sure it was. Than the former, well. but. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. And despite being predominantly black, the workplace was rigidly segregated until the 1960s, and they even used convict or inmate labor up until 1928. Wow. So they were using, in a sense, slave labor. They were using uh, individuals who were incarcerated. Right, and they probably don't them. have to pay them or not pay them that much. Right. So, as I said, a lot of people in the town were employed by the furnaces. Sure. In fact, about half of them were employed by. The industrial plant. Well, I'm sure a lot of people just move. If it's a new town, they probably moved there just to... Find work. Find work, yeah. Right. The uniform there was uh, white t-shirts and blue overalls, which they would were required to wear to work each day. Seems unreasonable to me, considering what a very dirty job they were doing. Yeah. They couldn't wear long sleeves. Yeah. No. I mean, I don't... It was a white t-shirt. That could be a long sleeve t-shirt or a short sleeve. I'm not entirely sure. So, conditions were really bad. Oh, you're saying to wear, like, a black t-shirt. Yes. <laughs> or Actually, a brown one, so then you wouldn't, mm-hmm. if the soot get, is there soot? Yeah, in? dirty, 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 dirty. dirty. <laughs> you're taking resources and you're putting them in a furnace. Yeah, I got it. Which blasts. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, conditions were really bad. There was lack of sleep, extreme heat, and then low visibility, which all caused significant risks to the employees. Yeah. That would be in any job, let alone pouring molten iron into molds of some sort. I don't... <laughs> I just say, I don't know exactly how it happened, but I think they just shoveled it. They were shoveling things to keep the furnace going, and they were just... Dumping it in, and it was melting down. Into molten iron. Yeah, but I don't know if there was molds. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I don't know. I just... Okay, but what do they put it in, then? I have no idea. (laughs) And I don't know if the finished product was, like, liquid or solid. Listen, (laughs) I don't know what pig steel... They pour it into pig molds. And when it comes out, it's shaped like a pig. And when they ship it off, they just say, do what you want. Yeah, exactly. I got it. Anyway, low visibility, high heat, Mm -hmm. no sleep. Very little sleep. Yeah. During the summer months, the temperature inside the plant reached over 120 degrees Fahrenheit. They had created uh, housing near the furnaces like within the same like 50 acres okay which people are like oh my gosh we have a job and we have housing that's awesome yeah but then they're probably like having to wake up at ungodly hours yes yes or they're like oh you live right over there you only need to sleep for two hours or whatever yeah you can we can wake you up at any time and get you to come to work basically that's what happened so that's the lack of sleep part yeah also they were made to work long shifts anyway right which were very tiring and taxing labor yeah so accidents and even deaths began occurring almost as soon as the furnaces were lit in 1882. So their uh, days since accident counter usually stayed at zero. Between zero and ten. Didn't get too high. <laughs> Patrick Shelby was a second generation Sloss Furnaces employee. 
He was once interviewed and said he recalled his father telling him that the foreman had a motto, quote, kill a man and hire another one, kill a mule and buy another one because those cost $25. Jesus. Yeah. And they were white employees. Yeah. But they were still treated like that. So can you even imagine what everybody else was treated like? Yes. I want to go through some incidents that happened at the plant. Sure. And um, a little bit more history as we go. But I just want to say I'm almost positive that there were more than what is reported. Oh, I'm sure. Well, I'm sure some of them weren't reported. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure. So within the first decade of operation, two men were incinerated alive inside of one of the furnaces. They were lowered down inside on like a scaffolding to fix what were called clinkers. These were pieces of coke or processed coal that were stuck to the inside of the furnace. And it would make a rattling sound. So they had to go in and scrape them off in order to get them to fall in and melt down. A small explosion caused them to fall down into the furnace and they were burned alive. Oh my god. The New York Times even reported several deaths that happened at the plant. In February of 1892, a new hot blast stove was being built when a piece of scaffold collapsed. So this didn't have anything inside of it, but they were building a new one. And the platform that these men were on uh, collapsed. Scaffolding, (laughs) like you had said. I'm convincing myself because I can't remember what the word scaffolding (laughs) is. So um, this platform collapsed and nine men fell 58 feet to the bottom. Two of these men died instantly while the others were critically injured. Oh my, oh my god. Hey, it gets worse. I mean, I guess they don't have much harnessing at this time. When was that picture taken of those people that were building that sky, that famous picture of building the skyscraper and they're just sitting on that iron beam? I don't know. (laughs) So in 1897, five years later, the New York Times printed another article titled, quote, Dead in a Furnace Tank, end quote. That seems a little um, inappropriate. Uh, no, unsympathetic. That's n- neither of the right words, but. I would have said, not necessarily menacing. Uh, <laughs> spooky? No. <laughs> What's the word? <laughs> I don't know. Not eerie. <laughs> Threatening? No, no, intimidating? No, 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 no. Like alluding to something scary. Give me a word for that. <laughs> Foreboding. Foreboding. Hey, what? <laughs> the article printed by the New York Times called "quote dead in a furnace tank" described a young boy who discovered a quote white man's body at the bottom of a large open water tank. The body was identified later to be Joseph F. Webb, a painter for the local Southern Railway shops within the city of Birmingham. He had been seen at a bar the previous night and was said he was going home. However, Sloss was kind of out of the way from his apartment. So finding him, like, dead in this water tank, yeah. his friends found very suspicious and suspected foul play because he said he was going home and, and they it, ended up basically across town. Right, like, he's like... I'm going home and took a right towards his apartment, but Sloths is, like, to the left. It's kind of like, um, the uncle in It's a Wonderful Life. You point me in the right direction, Georgie, old boy. (laughs) Yeah. And then he goes the absolute wrong way, (laughs) crashes into a bunch of things. Yeah. Well, I'm okay. So, his friends were suspecting foul play. Sure. Especially since he was supposed to be going home, and then his body turned up lifeless in a water tank clear across town. Yeah. No further reports were found about the investigation when I looked. Interesting. I don't know if they figured out what happened. Well, who essentially runs the town? Sloths. So Sloths it... run the town. <laughs> so that has anything to do with sloths, though they're paying the coppers. Can they even move that quick to cover up a murder? Oh, you'd be surprised. (laughs) So there's also a legend that states a young woman committed suicide by jumping into a large water vat at Sloss Furnaces. This tale states that her shoes were found floating at the top the following day. 
However, this could also be an extension of the Joseph Webb story, and the two may have gotten confused, or mm. one propagated the other. Like, oh. his death propagated this story. Right. Because some versions of the Joseph Webb report say that the same day that he was going to the bar and then ended up dead, he had purchased a new pair of shoes for his wife, and mm. that they were found floating next to him. Okay, okay. So both could be true... Or Webb's, or hers, or neither. Webb's is true. It was reported okay, by so the New like, York Times. Hers could be true, or it could just be confusion from the fake shoes. Fake news. Yes. It's all fake news. Fake news, floating shoes. <sighs> anyway, moving on. <laughs> Good for check the gate, moving on. Now, these are, these are more stories that were passed down by word of mouth from people who were once workers there. Sure. Or currently work there in some other capacity. Mm -hmm. So there is a piece of equipment called blowing engine number one. This is a steam engine that stands 60 feet tall with two 20-foot diameter wheels, which move at 35 revolutions per minute. So they basically spin and create a pretty significant draft um, within the furnace I don't, or the furnace plant, I don't understand their Could utility. you imagine, like, being somebody who understood what you just said? Because I can't. You said steam engine, and I pictured a boat. Yes. Not a boat, but, like, I think a that steam this engine powered boat. some of the furnaces. Okay. So, so, wheel moving around. Sure. Probably powering... Either using steam to be powered or creating steam sure. through its power. Yeah, absolutely. Spinning, I'm and, assuming, is that's the main fact that we mm -hmm. need to take a look well, at. Well, it made 35 revolutions per minute. So either. Wow. And it was big. It was 25 feet. Yeah. Okay. So either it was spinning or I mistyped it. It was revelations and it just kept coming up with good ideas. <laughs> <laughs> it kept telling them how it could make them work smarter, not harder. 35 good ideas per minute. Man, that's like... <laughs> could you imagine? Can you imagine? <laughs> and to be 25 feet tall, sign me up. Anyway. I wouldn't want to be 25 feet tall. This story goes that there was a man standing near this blowing engine number one eating his lunch. His friends and fellow co-workers looked at him. I'm assuming they were conversing. They turned away. They turned back. He's gone. Oh, God. He was sucked into the wheels via draft. Yeah. And then they could not turn this thing off. Right. In time to save him. So well, he, yeah, if it's that big spinning that fast, I'm sure it takes a while to slow down. Yeah. Also, you, the one thing I learned from physics class that I will never forget is that we were doing some kind of calculations. I'll forget the calculations. Don't worry. I don't remember that essentially what they were was to figure out like the draft or like the pool mm -hmm. of something so like when you're in the shower and you have it on a certain temperature or whatever and the curtain it, like sucks in that same like physics you can put towards mac trucks and so like technically if they're going fast enough and you're small enough and they drive past you you can get sucked like under just by, like, the... You know what I'm talking about? Same thing you're talking about. Like, it's going so fast that you just get sucked right underneath. If something spins fast enough or moves fast enough, it's going to create a force that sucks you towards it. Yeah. That's what, I guess, drafting in yeah. NASCAR has something to do with that, I guess. I don't know. I'm not a mathematician. Or a race car driver. Hey. <laughs> So there's no way of stopping the machine in time to help him, right. and his body was mangled in the wheels. Oof. Again, another story from workers in the plant. They said that in one section of the plant there were two turbo compressors, which were repaired many times during operating years. At one point, management bought a replacement valve from a junkyard, which didn't quite fit the compressor. I can't. I can't. I can't like heavy machinery and mm -hmm. they're just gonna be like oh we know this is a giant furnace but we got this piece from someone's microwave that they threw out two years ago it should be fine you think they had microwaves in the late 1800s i have no idea what is time it's a construct social construct 
few minutes after the repaired valve was placed and the machine restarted, the blower stopped working again. This prompted them to stop the machine altogether and weld some kind of plate on the front in order to, quote, fix it. When they turned the machine back on, the safety valves blew right off of it and steam blasted outwards from the compressor. The two people had been working on the machinery were scalded to the point that they looked like they had been boiled alive. They turned and ran up the stairs towards the other workers who reported that they thought the individuals were literally dead men walking. Did they die? I think so, Mm. but I don't know. Mm. One quote said, they looked like they were dead, but they didn't know it yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Probably died from their injury. Well, it'd be like getting burns, right? Yeah, all over your body. Yeah, like you could live, but there's so many complications. There's no way. Yeah. Like all over your body. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In another part of the plant, there are stairs leading up 250 feet to the tallest point of Sloss Furnaces. From that vantage point, you would be eye level with the top of the water tower, which stands there today and has Sloss painted across the side in big bold letters. I think we should change it to city. Just put city on the side? Yeah. Because city furnaces instead of Sloss Furnaces. I think we should change it to Sloth. S-L-O-T-H. Yeah, me too. When the plant was operational, workers had to climb up near the top, and there they were exposed to carbon monoxide and methane fumes. This exposure caused them to become dizzy and disoriented, so multiple people lost their lives falling off the catwalks at the top of this, uh, stairway. I know this is, like, not modern times, but, like, after, like, the first person... Okay, after, like, the second person... You'd think that they would come up with something else. Buy me and hire another one. Yeah, yeah. Didn't send mules up there now, did they? <laughs> that cost too much money. Mules don't have thumbs. What were they going to do at the top? I mean, I don't know what these guys were doing at the top, <laughs> honestly. You're right. <laughs> I don't understand why they were up there, but there's huge catwalks. <laughs> Despite these conditions, many people were desperate for employment during these times, and this was a main source of work in the city. Yeah. So, I mean, this created hundreds and hundreds of right. jobs. Right, you said like half the city was employed by yeah. Sloss. Sloss. S-L-O-S-S, by the way. Things took a turn even for the worse in the early 1900s at Sloss Furnaces. A new foreman took charge of the shift that was from sundown to sunrise, or the graveyard shift as it was known. Ugh. This man went by the name James Slag Wormwood. Not a good name. Hey. No, it wasn't. Hey, I bet he's not a good dude. Why? Because his name is something Wagworm. <laughs> Sometimes I think you don't even listen to what I say. What did you say, <laughs> Wagworm? I tried. What was his name? Bag of worms. <laughs> a bat worm. <laughs> what was his name? I am banana. Say it out loud. <laughs> Vampire. We cannot quote Twilight every episode. We can. You can't stop me. We can and we will. Wait, what was his name? James Slag Wormwood. People called him Slag. S L A G. James Slag hmm? Wormwood. Mm-hmm. Good job! Yay! <laughs> Wait, what did I say? Wagwood. <laughs> you just said, oh, Wagwood, that's a bad name. You didn't even, you didn't know his first name. You didn't know that he had a middle uh, nickname <laughs> well, and a last James, name. James isn't the issue. The name James isn't the issue. The, where the issue comes in, when you say, oh, James Smith. It was the new foreman. Okay, that's not as foreboding as James Slag um, Wormwood. <laughs> say his name, say his name, when no one is around you. So Say Slag, do I love you? <laughs> if you ain't playing games. Anyway, old Slaggy boy. So, anyway, Slag was not well-liked. Uh, But he was put in charge of 150 workers who were charged with keeping the furnace fed throughout the night. So he worked the graveyard shift. They had to keep the furnace running all night long. Uh, You're not going to know the answer to this, but why? It just took too long to, like, turn on? Uh, it seems as if 
they were producing products 24 hours a day. Oh, shit. That's not a good idea. But yes, I think by the time you would cool down those Enough. giant furnaces, yeah. it would be take so long to heat them back up, it'd be pointless. Right, right, right. Okay, that makes sense. Sure. Yes? Yes. Oh, slaggy boy. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Wormwood, I'm not even calling that, slag, wanted to stand out with his production numbers, so he continued to push his graveyard shift workers even harder. Not a good which idea. Which made the conditions even more dangerous and risky than normal. Sure. Which was already pretty bad. Of the 60 total reported deaths at the factory over the years it was open, 47 of these were underneath Slag's watch. So once 40- again, once again, I'm going to bring up this point. After the third per, I'm going to give him some leeway. After the third to fifth person that has died under his charge... Maybe we should roll. Maybe we should check the cameras. That's all I'm saying. What was he doing at this time? Roll the tapes. Hey, what year is this? I don't remember. 18. Well, you. It could be 1880 something to ni- early 1900s. Mm-hmm. What cameras? <laughs> the peepers of the <laughs> other people there. Oh, sorry. Hey, hey. Pull out their memories like Dumbledore and tell me. They weren't microchipped back then? Oh, honey, we've been microchipping people since the dawn of time. What does that have to do with... You think that our memories are recorded on the microchips they implanted in us? Yeah, they're like SD cards. Maybe. You're going to look at me, you're going to tell me I'm wrong? Grow up! (laughs) She wore a crown and came down in a bubble, Doug. Grow up. (laughs) So, 47 out of these 60 people died under Slag's watch. That's 10 times more deaths than under any other foreman or any other shift. Just like ever or just at Sloth's furnaces? At Sloth's furnaces. Okay. Probably ever. Probably ever. Anyway, uh, countless other... People were actually left unable to work due to accidents on his shift, as well as mishaps and one particular small explosion that left six workers burned and blinded. Oh my god. What's wrong with this guy? Needed his production numbers. Yeah, and like, what is he doing? Probably just sitting up in an office somewhere. No, no, no. He'd walk by him, because I think he did push some people into the furnace. Oh my god. (laughs) I'm thinking of, like, um, in Willy Wonka, the original, when Veruca... Finds the ticket. Her dad, like, owns the that factory, and he's, like, up in his little office, and they open the door, and he's like, anybody who finds it gets double whatever overtime, or double vacation or whatever. That's what I picture. Okay, so 47 people died under Slag Woodwood's watch. Okay, no, I want you to really think about it. Do you think his last name was Woodwood? <laughs> You don't even have to say his last name. You're doing it on purpose now because you know you're wrong. <laughs> he doesn't deserve the respect of me getting his name right. You could just say Sly. Yeah, but that's too correct. All right. 47 people died and countless others were injured. He's the reason why the days since last accident was always zero. Probably. Yeah. I'm sure. So this torture under slag, although I don't have specific reports, because I don't think that people were brave enough to report it all yeah, the time. I'm sure. Although I know he did, like, push people, and he would be like, get back to work. Well, that's and... probably what happened when they reported. So this torture continued until 1906. The official report is that Wormwood, or slag, was up on top of the highest furnace, which was called Big Alice. Just fun okay. fact. Okay. When he lost his footing and fell into the molten ore. Good. His body melted instantly and he was killed. Which probably happens when your body melts. Good. Do you think that that was like, batch was thrown out? No, it's just iron. Not like people are eating it. You don't know what I do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, a man died. A bad, bad man. Who cares? Woodward was a terrible person. You said Woodwood again. <laughs> that dent was on purpose. Okay. The workers reported that he must have become dizzy from the methane and carbon dioxide gases above the furnace, as I 
kind of explained Wait, before. Must have gotten dizzy <clears throat> and lost his balance. Most people think this is false. Oh, no. Was he pushed? Most people think that the workers got sick and tired of him being cruel and just an all-around ass. Yeah. Carried him up the stairs and tossed him into the furnace in retaliation. Oh, my God. Good. But no official charges were ever brought. Tripped and fell. I mean, yeah. I mean, people got dizzy and fell in all the time. All the time. Right? Yeah. Like, 47 of them. Mm Mm-hmm. That's all. I mean, like, it happens. Like, statistically, it was bound to happen sometimes. Just saying, this death did not make me sad. Now, the the problem with the reported story, or, like, the official story, is that everybody knew he never went up there. Like, where they're saying he was when he, like, fell. Yeah. In all of his years working there, he never went up there. Well, they can't prove it otherwise. There's no fingerprints on his body. Because, wait, there's no body. (gasps) That's how you get away with murder. There just can't be a body left. What? Yeah. Huh? What? (laughs) What? I'm sorry. Huh? What were you you saying? (laughs) So, after this incident, the plant discontinued even having this shift that was from sundown to sunrise, or the graveyard shift. Because after Slag's death, untimely death, no, it was time. Let us all shed a tear. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, a man died. He was a terrible person. He was. And then eventually the plant closed down altogether in 1971 just because it was sold around and eventually they decided to close it. Right, right, right. Didn't, well, it sounds like I didn't stand up to code. When code became a thing. Safety codes? I don't know exactly why it closed. However, even though the plant closed its production in 1971, that is not where our story stops. Okay. The end of the graveyard shift in the foreman's death didn't seem to be the end of bad things happening at Sloss Furnaces. Okay. Each year, workers, up until 1971 and beyond complained of, quote, an unnatural presence that they encountered throughout the plant. There have been over 100 reports of paranormal activity, which have been recorded in Birmingham police records. Minor incidents like steam whistles blowing on their own, even though the plant is no longer functional, all the way up to assault of people by unknown presence. Oh, wow. Most of the more serious events happen in September and October during the time which would have been the graveyard shift hours. Oh. So. Slag is back. Up until the year of 1971, the plant was operational, and then after that it was closed down. Today it is a um, museum of sorts. Sure. It also operates as a place where they have concerts and art exhibits and uh during the months of september and october where all these bad creepy things happen they open it up as a haunted house attraction cool and i think we should go yeah anyway in 1926 so this is prior to the plants closing yeah but after slag's death Mm -hmm. a night watchman sustained injuries after being quote pushed from behind and told by a deep voice to quote get back to work (gasps) the watchman searched the grounds but found no sign of another living person sounds like somebody we know and don't love and don't know absolutely in 1947 three supervisors turned up missing They were found unconscious and locked in a boiler room in the southeastern part of the plant, not near where they had been originally. None of them could explain what had happened, but they all agreed they had been approached by a man who had skin which appeared to be burned badly, and he shouted at them to, quote, push some steel. (laughs) Where? (laughs) Where, sir? I don't think they had time to ask. (laughs) Wait, and then they just passed out and woke up in the boiler room? (laughs) also i don't know if they had been together when they passed out or if they were in separate parts of the plant and then woke up all in the same spot interesting okay so that was 1947 in 1971 on october 4th specifically this was the night before they were going to close down the plant everybody knew the plant was closing and so the night watchman at the time samuel blumenthal was taking a last look around for nostalgic purposes sure and also probably doing his job right i mean he's got to turn the lights off one last time one last time he reported that as he was taking his last lap around 
he found himself, quote, face to face with the most frightening thing he had ever seen. He described it as evil, half man, half demon, who tried to push him up the stairs towards the furnace. He refused and was attacked with the bean's fist. Dr. Jack Barlow examined Blumenthal after the incident and found him to be covered in bruises and, quote, intense burns. Blumenthal then died without ever returning to Sloss. Now, I don't understand if this means he died from his injuries or if he was like, I'm never going back there again over my dead body. Well, we're just going to say that he lived a long, happy life and just refused to go back because I think that's what any buddy would do any sane person that's terrifying yeah half beast half human punched him in the chest to try to get him to go up the stairs yes and many say that october 4th is the night that slag was reported to have been murdered as well <gasps> so he comes back to exact his revenge possible on those who exacted their revenge <laughs> yes <laughs> so um there have been many incidences where Sloss Furnaces has been investigated by paranormal teams. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to talk about some of those as well. In 1988, the Center for Paranormal Events in St. Petersburg, Florida, conducted a study on the site in May, which concluded with no events. Yeah, because it was May. Yeah, nothing spooky happens in May. However, two psychics with the team claimed that due to, quote, violent disregard for loss of life, that occurred on this location it should be considered a location rife with restless souls yeah but did they like speak to any no they just said bad vibes okay well let me sum up bad vibes (laughs) okay in the year 2000 fox's scariest places concluded that in 2000 fox's scariest places concluded that sloss furnaces had the highest rates of unnatural energy they had ever encountered okay in 2002 it's a chart of smiley faces like what type of energy are you feeling today yeah Mm -hmm. unnatural where on the color wheel did your emotions (laughs) land In 2002, skeptical investigative team from CBS affiliate WJTV. I don't know what that means, but that's what it says. CBS affiliate? Yes. They were It'd be like a, a local TV station. Yeah, underneath CBS. Right. They investigated and said they captured amazing footage from their experiences. In 2003, Alabama Foundation for Paranormal Research said that, quote, there is no doubt Sloss is a hot spot for paranormal activity. During our investigations, we pulled data that confirms through scientific methods and approach that energies are present that cannot be explained. Sloss is one of the most paranormally active places our team has ever investigated. Now, we come to the year 2003, later that year. I was like, we're already there. On October 4th, 2003, does that date ring a bell to you? No. I'm just kidding. Sloths was murdered on that night. And Blumenthal then... got attacked on that night. Ye- yes. Josh Thomas was working at the plant on October 4th, 2003, when he suddenly caught on fire after seeing, quote, a strange shape. He suffered burns up and down his body and was rushed to the hospital. He still cannot recall what happened. Strange shape? Yep. Where? Well, I don't know. In 2005, Airline TV had a show that sent two psychic investigators to the site. One of them began to spontaneously bleed from a cut that suddenly formed on her arm during the investigation. The camera crew believed they caught spirits on tape while they were recording, and the investigation was then stopped due to the attack. (laughs) <laughs> i'm not convinced i don't know <laughs> the attack she has like a paper cut on her finger <laughs> oh my god i'm bleeding right well man that's a hangnail <laughs> <laughs> it's spontaneously ripped open yeah good thing they caught it on camera mm-hmm. in 2009 unexplained mysteries investigated and captured spiritual shadows on film now this year is unclear, but it is my, the piece of evidence I was most interested in. It was either in 2008, 2012, or 2014. Honestly, <laughs> I don't know. But it was season one, episode five of Ghost Adventures. How could you not figure that out? Because the resource I was looking at that took me to go look at Ghost Adventures said 2012. And 2014. 
But then when you look up this episode on the show's website that it was in 2008. Okay. So I don't know. I think it was 2008. We're going to say that. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. In 2008, season one, episode five of Ghost Adventurers, Zach and his team. Excuse me. Ghost Adventurers? Yeah. Zach Baggins? Yeah. You told me this was Taps. It is. No. What's Taps? Not that. Who's on Taps? Big bald guy. I mean, there is a big bald guy. Hey, JK. This is why I was confused. The Atlantic Paranormal Society. Okay, so this is why I'm confused. Hey, you know how I didn't know what year this happened Because in? they both probably... Hey, they were both there. Yeah, Ghost Hunters or Taps. Because I think... I don't know what the main guy's name is. Steve. Grant and Steve. Yes. Bald guy, I mm-hmm. think, is Steve. That's not what I watched. You, they you were watched there. Zach Baggins Correct. and Ghost Adventurers. Yes. These guys are clowns. <laughs> <laughs> Did I watch the wrong one? I'm sorry. What a bold statement. Oh my gosh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I always watched bad. this whole episode and was so into it. I, I don't, come to you. I don't on... like the main guy. I like the guy with the beard. The scaredy one? Yeah, he's scared all- I don't know his name, but they always send him in places by himself. Not this time. And I'll tell you why. But not yet, because we need to clarify. Okay. Taps went in, I believe, in 2012 or 2014. Probably both. Well, maybe both. They've gone back to places before, Possibly. Too. But Ghost Adventures with Zach... Baggins. Baggins. Like, Frodo Baggins. Yes. Like, I'm not sure. I don't anyway. know. Anyway. Uh, they went in 2008, and they did go back later on. Okay. But 2008 is where this episode is, and it's Ghost Adventures, yeah. not Taps. Taps. So Taps. sorry. I try not to watch these shows by myself, and if I do, I'm not really paying attention because it makes me... Scared. I was going to say it makes me heebie-jeebies, but that wasn't the right <laughs> that sentence. That doesn't make sense either. So, Zach and his team were physically assaulted and caught it on film. Like, legit... So I watched this episode yeah. by myself in a hotel room and listen. Yeah, but sometimes they just trip over. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there were a couple of times where they just tripped and they did say, oh man, it's so dark in here, we tripped. Did they really? Yeah. <laughs> listen. Okay. Yes, they did. Where were lo- their flashlights? They don't really do that. They look at their night vision camera screen and just walk oh, according to that. Fault. It was also 2008. I don't think that they had the... You don't think they had flashlights? No, I do, but, like, this was the first episode where they were like, we like to use a new piece of equipment every time. Look, a thermal camera. And I was like, sir, this is clearly your first season. (laughs) So this episode was a lot of them um, interviewing people who worked there or had worked there, so that's where... I got Patrick Shelby's quote, Mm -hmm. who was a second-generation employee, and a lot of the stories that had been passed down by word of mouth from workers there had been, were told as part of tours and part of the museum that stands there today. Yeah. So Ghost Adventurers had, like, interviewed all the people that worked there, had worked there, and they had them chain, padlock them in to a fenced area and said you see this we're locked in all night because there's barbed wire over this fence and i went boy howdy this is gonna be a trip (laughs) boy howdy so there's three of them they don't have a big camera crew because they want to do it themselves they say that and then they set up for their stakeout they're in there they're walking around they're just going down to set up their cameras they weren't even really doing the investigation yet and the bald guy with the beard yeah literally goes oh oh my gosh and starts holding his eye and he goes dude why'd you run into me why'd you just like literally elbow me in the face and he's like i was over here Uh oh. so something sucker punched this guy in the eye i don't know if he had the camera up to his eye allegedly yeah but he said he got punched in the eye and he absolutely refused to go anywhere except for sit somewhere where that was lit and watch the cameras me that'd be me that would i would be oh, no i mean absolutely i would be good at that i'll monitor the cameras monitor the cameras <laughs> so throughout their investigation zach and the uh, third fellow went uh to places individually and sat down and proceeded to 
mock Mr. Slag. Yes. This is very um, reminiscent of, I'm on your bridge, goat man, <laughs> but not. So he would be like, Nick. Uh, Nick? Yeah. Was his name Nick? Yes. Yes. So Nick was pretty chill. I'd be like, hey, does anyone want to talk to me? I have this EVP recorder. Walk over here and talk into this little red light. He was super nice. Right. Zach, on the other hand, was like, Slag, you're fired. I'm taking your job. You hear that, Slag? You're not working hard enough. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Until Zach got really cold, and then he heard right behind his ear, Hey, little mama, let me whisper in your ear. No. But he heard, Come here. Ooh. Right behind his ear. Right around the same time, they, they said they found this sound clip that basically said, and I think it sounded very close. I hate Zach. <laughs> was it me? Was it, <laughs> hey, was it me? These guys are clowns. <laughs> so Nick also um, felt like somebody was standing right behind him. And he had said, you know, do you want to just come over and talk? You can come talk right here. Like, come yeah. over here towards this recording device. And then they picked up the sound all right, come on. <laughs> I think he just said, come on. I was like, ah, come on. Square up. Put those fists up. Square up. So he got scared, and he ran, and then he tripped, and then he dropped his camera. And then he said, why'd you push me? <laughs> no. <laughs> but he's like, they were right behind me. And then at the same time, the camera that had been facing him captured a mist. Ooh. And when they took it to a guy in Florida to analyze, he basically, like, edited the colors yeah so you would focus in and see it better yeah and it looked like a person who had put their arms out basically like here you go <laughs> like i did this <laughs> and then put their hands down okay interesting and at that point i had goosebumps and was like this is enough <laughs> you didn't watch the rest oh no i did that was about it so they they got some good sound clips they yeah got a couple mists sure they had another um, video image of what looked like a figure coming up a set of stairs. So this camera was on for a while, and honestly, this was one of the more creepy videos I've seen on a ghost mm -hmm, show, mm -hmm. um, where there was two railings and a set of stairs, but the camera was on the other side of the room, so you could just see the top of the stairs. Sure. And the railings, and it literally looked like this mist moved up just between the two railings and then disappeared at the top of the stairs. Creepy. Yeah, I didn't like it. Creepy. So, also during their investigation in these, like, interviews of employees, they, they talked to multiple people who said, every employee that we send down here, they feel like someone's watching them, and when they walk halfway down this tunnel, they hear footsteps behind them. Ew. And while they were, like, setting up their equipment during the investigation, they were walking down this tunnel, and they kept being like, I feel like there's more people walking than just us three. Yeah. So, they felt that as well. Right. Also, one security guard had a very interesting story. He said he was working at night, and an apparition... When? Like, after it closed? Yes. Yes. In okay. the evening. He's like the night security guard. Like at guard. the museum. Yes. He's a night security guard at the museum. Not necessarily during the haunted house part. Right, right, right. And he turned and he made eye contact with a figure, which he he basically blinked, I think, and then suddenly it was right in front of him. He said it reached out into his body, grabbed his lungs, squeezed them, and said, get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> he said... I won't stand in that spot anymore. <laughs> Just that one? He'll go everywhere. Okay. Okay. <laughs> See that five foot by five foot square? Nah, I don't walk in that. Yeah, but no. I mean, <laughs> listen. <laughs> Basically. Uh, that's terrible. That's scary, though. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, basically anyone who goes there, if they see an apparition, they think they're seeing slag. Yeah. Some people have said that they see, um, they've seen people walk by in a white t-shirt and overalls, right. blue overalls. Yeah. And they turn around and there's no one there. Yeah, it's probably a worker. Mm-hmm. That died. Yeah. Going to work. Or being pushed. Or being pushed by slag. 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 
His name just sounds nasty. Slag Woodwood. Slag Gadoodood. Slag Gadoodood. So today's sloss is somewhat of a museum. As I said, they also use it for metal art classes. So I think cool. that they are like like sculpting types yeah, of things. Yeah, that's awesome. They also have concerts. I met a person this week who is from Alabama, and when I asked them if they knew what sloss furnaces was, they said, "Yeah, I go to concerts there." Cool. During the day, never been to the haunted house because apparently it's terrifying. I'm sure, but they all know it's supposedly haunted. All the locals, anyway. So, around Halloween, like I said, it's a haunted house. I think because it's almost October 4th, we should make our way there just in time. I work. But their haunted house is actually um, based on a story written by a local folklorist named Catherine Tucker Windham called The Ghost in Sloss Furnaces, which was published in 1978. They still use this. It's like a jump, jump, scary get out and boo haunted house or is it like a let's walk around with one candle as i tell you this scary story haunted house i did not know Mm. all it says on the website for this is that it's based on her story sure okay i like it this is all i have (laughs) this is all i i liked it it was a good story so do you think Slag fell, or do you think he was tossed in there? I kind of hope he was tossed. <laughs> I mean, if everybody says he never goes up there, like, you have to think that he was tossed. And if he treated people that poorly, like, eventually they are going to get fed up. So, I mean... I think he was pushed. I don't or thrown. See, I don't understand how anybody bought the story that he fell. No. Like, yeah. I don't understand how anyone was like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, oh, but yeah, I buy no, that. If you have no proof otherwise. And if every single worker, because you know every single worker is going to say that he was. Oh, it's 150 people's words against no one because he's dead. Because he's dead <laughs> and his body's gone. <laughs> he, there's not even a body. There's not even, there's not even a body. Nope. I'm sure that other industrial, like, steel-producing factories had a lot of accidents and deaths. But this is one of the most haunted places in America, supposedly, and people... Well, I mean, Slag was essentially doing it on purpose, is what makes the difference. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, obviously, factories at that time aren't gonna have safety measures that they do now, clearly. Like, no job does, I guess. But, like... He just didn't care, and I would hope that other factories, the person in charge, would at least care a little bit. Maybe. I feel like human life was so just not valued at that time, and I don't know if it was for, I mean, in his case, it was for greed. Right. I'd like to think he was one bad apple, but I wonder if in this industry, if they were all kind of... Yeah, I'm sure it was not a good industry to be in, but at the same time, where else are you going to work? Yeah, there's nowhere else to work, especially after the war. Yeah. So, that's all I have. Do you think that the story will keep you up at night? you still be able to sleep snug as bug in the rug. Uh, I think I'll still be able to sleep as snug as a bug in a rug because we're not going why? Well, I mean, like, we're not going right now. So, like, tonight, I think I'll be okay. We could. Absolutely not. Uh, But, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a very interesting story. Um, If I watched any of the ghost shows that are about it, I think, I think watching those kind of gives you perspective of what people have experienced. Have experienced. Mm-hmm. And so, it's tough, right, to imagine hauntings as compared to, like, I got attacked by Bigfoot. I don't know, because, like, haunt, I don't know, I don't know. I can't picture it unless I see it on TV. I'm just picturing the Bigfoot commercials where he's, like, outside the camper or something dumb. I or don't beef know. jerky. Yeah. <laughs> Slag jerky. Anyway, I don't think it's going to keep me up at night. 
right now. If we were to go or if I were to watch the shows about it, I think I would be more scared. Although I'm not staying here tonight. So although I'm watching 14 dogs, so I should be fine. <laughs> Plus a bird. Do you, That's helpful. <laughs> Do you think that... Well? Well, if you want to see pictures... Um, you can check out Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Facebook's just bugging a rug. Instagram and Twitter at BIAR Podcast. Uh, if you want to check out Winnie's resources, go to bugginarug.podbean.com. If you want to email us your favorite episode that we've done so far so we can talk about it on our one year anniversary, please email us at BIARpodcast at gmail.com. You can also send any of the submissions to any of the uh, social media sites um, that we've talked about. Um, we accept uh, if you want to do videos or a voice recording, we will play that on the podcast. Yeah, and if you send those in and you haven't gotten a sticker yet, we'll send you a sticker. Or if you want another sticker. Or if you want know. another sticker. Yeah. We'll Be like, hey, sticker. need more stick. Need more stickers. Mine no stick no more. <gasps> oh, no. Well, if you've been, like, wearing it as a tattoo of pride for all this time, then you probably do need another one. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, I mean, thanks for, like, advertising us. Yeah, we appreciate us on that. your body. Like, that's a big sacrifice, and we really love all the hard work that you do. Anyway, signing off. I'm Caitlin. I'm Whitney. Bye. Sleep tight.